0: Welcome to Tome of Tales, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign. This episode is a downtime write-up, co-written with Toby, who plays Varys Nalo. It is called, Playing Favorites, Reprise. That's the place. There. Cheryl indicates to Astra. The orphanage you mentioned you brought music to? Astra asks as she banks to the left, starting to make her descent. Her wings glittered in the midday spring sun, and the wind lifted both her mane and Cheryl's hair in swirling tresses. The bard's split cape trailed behind her, "'looking more like the wings Cheryl wished she had. "'An elated feeling rushed through her, "'and she let her eyes close, "'taking in the warmth, "'imagining she was flying of her own volition. "'Astra evened out, "'and before Cheryl was ready, "'her friend's hooves were running "'on the soft grass of the garden, "'and the smooth ride was over. "'Yes,' This is Thea's refuge. She looks at the two-story building, and a smile touches her lips. The man who set this up has done many good things for this land. Astra glances back at her, giving her mistress a scrutinizing look with her silvery-blue eyes, before giving a huff and shaking her wings out to fold them back in. Cheryl was about to ask what the look was for, when the shouts of children could be heard coming from around the house. Auntie Cheryl's back! Auntie Cheryl! The little half-orc girl who was leading the charge stopped, her jaw dropping in awe. The other children following behind her came to a halt, the small group of them staring at the winged unicorn in wonder. Astra looks at Cheryl questioningly. The fay bard gives her a side smile and dismounts, waving at the staring, gathered children. Hello, everyone. It's wonderful to see you all again, Cheryl says brightly. I brought a special friend with me today. This is Astra. She puts a hand on the winged unicorn's side. She is very special, from the wilds like me. Would you like to come over and say hello? The children murmur a yes and start to tentatively make their way towards them. Most of them are small like Cheryl and so they take courage with how comfortable she is being around the large winged creature. Astra says, You will owe me for this, Merla. Oh, hush. I can tell you like it. Stay here. I will be right back. Cheryl instructs the children not to try to climb Astra, nor to go too close to her hindquarters, but should they wish to, they can gently pet her sides, making sure to not touch her wings. The bard quickly makes her way over to the entrance, glancing back to see the children have started petting Astra, whilst some ask her questions, which she tries to answer, but none are able to understand her. Cheryl can feel how delighted Astra is with their adoration, smiles, and goes through the doors. Entering the refuge always gives her a contented feeling. Pausing at the music room, she saw the instruments she helped the orphanage purchase with her donations. She wishes she could do more. Wanting to help has always been part of her. Maybe it stems from wanting to be accepted, as people seem to be more willing to do so if you do something for them. But this place means something different to her. Cheryl couldn't quite put her finger on it, something about how there was a warmth here that reminded her of something or somewhere. Valeria sees Cheryl loitering by the music room, and she stands, surprised to see her. Hearing the Goliath's movement, Cheryl turns and is back in the present. She waves a greeting, and Vallea gives a nod of acknowledgement that is practically a hug by the standards of the taciturn young woman. Hello, Vallea. I have returned. Cheryl says warmly, peering over Cheryl's head at the commotion outside. She raises a questioning eyebrow. Ah, Yes. That is Astra. She is very gentle, and I thought the children would delight at seeing a winged unicorn. Valleja gives a nod, seeming satisfied. I'm sorry I haven't been back before now, it's been very busy, but I've brought… Cheryl watches as the young woman stiffens and whirls on her heel. In the doorway stands a man in a crisp red and black uniform. Once, Cheryl might have called him young. No more. Hardship has worn his face, and eyes too weary for his years peer from behind a mask of control. He gives a sad smile as he looks up at Balea, raising a placating hand. He looks for a moment as though he will say more, then, noticing Cheryl, He gives a small nod.
1: Well met, C. Pennell. What brings you to the refuge this day?
0: Hello, Varys. I wanted to make another donation, actually. I haven't been back since my trip to the court, and I thought it would be nice to say hello to the children, to see how things... With a sound like a thunderclap, Vallea slams her hand palm down on the tabletop vak in lore. Cheryl cannot remember ever having heard the girl speak before. Her voice is like the deep currents of a river, rich and smooth and cold. There is quiet in the room, both Varys and Cheryl shocked to silence. The sounds of the children playing in the garden drift lazily through the doors. Valea opens her mouth to speak again, but Varys raises a hand. The gesture sharper this time, an air of command behind it, and the Goliath closes her mouth with an audible click.
1: Saluan month. Sal Nak Mo Selin Isele.
0: closes her eyes for a moment, then opens them. Ice blue meeting forest green. She nods. Varys reaches up to lay a hand on her shoulder.
1: Isolus and Eva, Eva. Serene, miss.
0: With a shake of her head, Vallea strides from the room. Varys lets out a long breath, turning to face Cheryl once again.
1: (sighs) Farewells. Not my strong suit.
0: They are never easy. Cheryl watches the Goliath go, then turns to Varys, giving him a questioning look. Are you planning on leaving?
1: Shen. You met her last time you were at the Order, I believe. Shen tells me that her Red Lady teaches that plans are worthless, but planning is everything. We must not seek the path of victory, but arrange things so that every path leads to a victory.
0: He gives a rueful smile, the ear sliding away for a brief moment, to show the young man beneath it all.
1: I haven't really answered your question, have I?
0: A sly grin slides across her lips. No, you haven't. But... Cheryl thinks for a moment. I wish to speak to you, Varys, if I may. Maybe in the sanctuary of your own rooms. You can tell me what it is you plan. Only if you wish to, of course. She shifts from foot to foot slightly, realizing how that might have been too presumptuous of her. A lot has happened, and (sighs) a worry line crosses her brow. If Varys notices her unease, he gives no sign, merely nodding.
1: I was heading that way now, if you care to accompany me.
0: I would like that, yes, Cheryl says, recovering with a smile you can meet Astra. She's with the children in the garden at the moment. I'll meet you out front. A small frown creases the warrior's brow, but he gives a nod of assent and turns toward the door. Moments later, they are reunited in the street. Varys on foot. Cheryl mounted on Astra's back. Varys, meet Astra. Astra, this is Varys Nalo. Grandmaster of the Order of the Crimson Fist," she said in Sylvan, the words are elegant music in the air. Astra lowers her head in a bow, her horn catching the sun's rays and shimmering slightly as she does so. "'It is an honour to meet you, Grandmaster Verisnelo,' she says, but when he does not answer, she repeats it in elvish surprising Cheryl. He, in turn, gives a respectful nod, touching fingers to lips and then heart.
1: Tha'naresh, Gail.
0: He looks up at Cheryl and, with a small smile, sets off down the street. Fifteen minutes later, they are seated comfortably in his chambers, windows thrown open, and late spring sunlight streaming in.
1: So... You wish to speak of something?
0: Cheryl nods, looking at the light pouring into the room, her brow a firm line beneath her circlet. Ambassador Jarrell was nearly assassinated this week in Jarvanal. By an errand, yes. My friends and I managed to thwart it. But barely. The Vanguard have made their boldest move yet, inviting all manner of senators, statespeople, influencers, and leaders to a gala all organized by the Mayor herself, Gyna Madhand, under the guise of thinking them. She looks at Varys as she pauses, only to take them all out of the picture. The Grandmaster nods, face wary but calm.
1: Bold to move so openly. Up till now, the fact many in Kul'Garan still doubted their existence was the vanguard's greatest weapon, which means they are either desperate or supremely confident. Who did we lose?
0: People like Raxus Highwatch, the leader of the Errant Guard, were there. And everyone but us has not been seen or heard from since that night. We don't know if they are alive. Cheryl looks down to her calloused hands and notices they are clasped together tightly. She tries to relax them, taking a breath before continuing. I stayed in Zotgaran with Jarel to help him look into some things. Things I am now more worried about since hearing some of the information that has been flying around here. Varys gives a bitter smile, but says nothing. Is it true that the one who has been controlling the Vanguard? The one who has been hunting for the seals. The one who was behind the giant seal breaking after the war stopped in Kulgaran, ...is Zariel.
1: Certainly, she seeks the souls. And I cannot imagine she does so out of any wish to save Kulgaran. How much do you know of the Lady of the First?
0: Very little she says, and feels a pebble of worry start to grow in her stomach.
1: She was once an angel of Celestia, charged with observing the blood war as it raged across Avernus. The power of that place corrupted her, and she rebelled, leading a force of her brethren and mortal adherents in a doomed attack on demons and devils both. The Prince of Hell never one to miss an opportunity for poetic irony, punished her with favor, granting her dominion over Avernus and charging her to lead his armies against the forces of the Abyss for all eternity. She possesses one of the finest military minds ever to exist, and her obsession with victory in the Blood War is all-consuming. There is an old adage in war, If you can't solve a problem, make it bigger. If she were to open a portal to the Abyss, demons would be diverted here, and she would have less to deal with in her own realm. It may also be that she desires our souls to feed her armies. Either way, her involvement can mean only ill for Kul'Garan, and eventually, for us.
0: There is silence for a moment between the two. Birdsong can be heard, their calls mixing with the low hum of activity from the yard outside Varys' door. Then what the half-elf said finally sings in, and Cheryl gives a small, humorless laugh as she catches her head in one hand, her eyes far away. She was right when she said I didn't understand. Cheryl seems lost in thought for a moment, an all-too-familiar feeling of being too small, too weak, starts to buzz through her mind, but then she closes her eyes and she pushes those feelings aside. Of course, without the seal, Zariel cannot do that, right? You talked to the council. Her face softens, and Varys sees the apology in her eyes for a moment before continuing. I'm guessing the second seal is no longer here. If she cannot get them, then maybe there is a chance.
1: Perhaps, but I doubt she will be thwarted so easily. One seal is already broken, another still unaccounted for, perhaps already sundered. We know of one that is unbroken, one seal, to hold back the might of Hell. He shakes his head.
0: "'It won't be enough,' she says, finishing the thought, face grim. She almost doesn't want to say it, to add to the gravity of their conversation, but she has not had a chance to tell any of the others she trusts yet, and Varys should know, especially if he is leaving. "'There is one more thing,' I learned, Varys. Conductor Nimbus is an Ergenasi and prestigious leader in music in Kulgaran. Until the gala, he traveled across the country frequently. The perfect agent to deliver information to any member of the Vanguard. Cheryl looks away, and Varys sees a flicker of anger, almost betrayal, flit across her face the gem in her circlet glowing a bit brighter as she continues. I met him before the war. I was part of the group that helped recover Miliel's roar, a giant mobile pipe organ that Jana Windseeker had made when she was the High Priestess of Miliel years ago. Did you see it at the siege of Zotgoran?
1: I did. It held back the storm for a while. An impressive machine.
0: It's a legendary instrument. And it's missing. Gone the way of the wind, and no one knows where it is. Same with Nimbus. I cannot say for sure why he is involved with the Vanguard, as he is the first Air I know of who is with them. But that instrument is a weapon. I don't know what they plan with it or even if the vanguard have it. But if they do, her hands ball into fists and she looks away, ashamed. Then it is in part thanks to me and my desire to help.
1: That is certainly problematic, but not insurmountable. Of more pressing concern is the location of the third seal. Do we know anything more? Does jor
0: Cheryl shakes her head. There is an artifact. Vera sits patiently, waiting for her to continue. Cheryl moves forward to the edge of her seat. It's what they have used to find the seals. If we could track down the artifact, use it to find the third seal ourselves and hide them both away, somewhere safe than maybe. But I don't know anyone who knows what the artifact is, or what it looks like. Jarrell won't give up, though. Despite everything, if he finds word of anything, I am sure he will tell us. Cheryl gets up from her chair, going over to a nearby window to bathe in the sunbeam streaming in. It helps to banish away the thoughts that were clamoring in her mind with all this new information. She stays facing the sun as she asks, Will you answer my question from earlier, Varys?
1: I do not plan on leaving Daring, save perhaps to continue the fight in Cool Garan. But I do not know what will happen if we fail, save that it will not be good. So I was making plans this morning with Freddy, to move the children should the worst happen. He still knows people in the Dales, that can shelter there.
0: He is quiet for a moment watching the halfling woman as she soaks in the sunlight.
1: And you? Will you stay? Or does your queen desire your return?
0: Cheryl turns around, a sunlight giving her features a more fay-like appearance. Queen Titania's wishes are the same as mine. To be here. I will continue to do my part in stopping what's happening to keep the balance across the plains. Her expression becomes a bit unreadable, as she says, If there's anything I can do to help, for the children, or anything else.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: He stands, moving toward the door.
1: And if the Order can assist you in recovering this instrument, you only have to ask.
0: I will. She says, grateful for the offer. Varys. Cheryl takes a step toward him, a need to be candid with him, driving her words. I know many people here do not think favorably of the Fay Courts. There were a lot of events I witnessed only parts of when I still lived in the Summer Palace before I came to Cantus. It. It doesn't come up often, but some of my closest friends know this, and, well... Cheryl stands up a bit straighter as she looks into his peridot-green eyes. Titania is more than my queen. She is my mother. Varys is silent for a long moment, a line forming between his brows. Finally, he speaks.
1: The courts have some things to answer for, Eulorion especially. But I am not in the habit of judging the daughter by the sins of the mother. I thank you for the trust this shows, but it changes little in my eyes. You have proven yourself a daughter of daring. That is enough for me.
0: He pauses for a moment, a wry smile tugging at his lips
1: that my judgment seems to be held in very high esteem of late
0: I value it she says without hesitation Cheryl steps out of the sunlight the afterglow clinging to her for a moment as she comes closer to Varys and I thank you for seeing me for who I am past everything it can get lost sometimes she pauses May I ask you something? He nods. Good people don't need rules. Now is not the time to find out why I have so many. She looks at him, searching his face for what she doesn't know, but trying to really see him. What did you mean by that?
1: The man who taught me the blade was a farmer before he joined the merciful sword. He watched his village burn and knew that his old life was lost to him. But in his heart, he was always that farmer. He would have lived in peace, but his enemies brought him war.
0: He looks down at her, his smile full of quiet sadness and regret.
1: That was never my path. I have always been a man of war, and I do not doubt I will end my days in fire and blood. There is no peace for men like me, and war is a mother who eats her young. It is a heavy burden we carry. We few who stand against the darkness, I would not wish it on anyone, and yet it must be done. Someone must place themselves between the horror and the light, shield the innocent from the evil of the realms. But there is a danger there for those who would fight. What we hate is just as much a part of us as what we love. We graft it to our very souls. Spend too long fighting monsters.
0: He lets the thought hang in the air for a moment, green eyes finding hers, And suddenly, they are like millstones, like shards of ice. The stiff, quiet warmth falls away, and she sees for a moment how his enemies must see him. Cold. Implacable.
1: I have been fighting for a very long time.
0: As quickly as it came, the change is gone. Almost. Almost. Perhaps it is her imagination, but now she has seen behind the curtain. There is a hint of steel about him she had not noticed before. He smiles, opening the door to see her out. Softly stepping up beside him, Cheryl raises her hand and rests it against the symbol of the order emblazoned on Varys' uniform over his heart. Topaz blue eyes look into forest green, and they are warm, grateful, companionable. Wherever you walk, you won't be alone, be it in darkness or in light. Her words ring through the air like a promise. A smile in her eyes touches her lips. I believe in your goodness, Varys. It is stronger than you may realize. She takes her hand back and touches her bosom over her own heart, bowing her head in a gesture of gratitude. Cheryl gives Varys one last look before she departs, making her way across the yard to where Astra waits for her. He stands and watches as the pegasus climbs into the sky, then, shaking his head, turns back into the room. A storm is coming. Daring must be ready. This downtime write-up was called Playing Favorites. Reprise. Set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition d and campaign run by the London RPG community. Co-written with Toby, who plays Varys Nalo. Varys Nalo was voiced by Gwythian Evans. Thank you for listening. Tune in again for the next chapter in Cheryl's Story.